This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Good morning. This is the feast of the baptism of our Lord. This is a great time to reflect on the most ancient and elemental sacrament of the church, the sacrament of holy baptism. Probably many of us here this morning have been baptized. This sacrament is of immense importance and it links us together. The sacrament of baptism is the door of the spiritual life. Baptism is the way in, the foundation, the condition of the possibility of an authentically spiritual life. Fundamentally, Christianity is not about deciding to be a good person or doing the right thing or having a heart of gold. Now let's face it, anybody, non-Christians, people of other religions can be any of those things. And certainly, we hope all people will be a good person who does the right thing with a heart of gold. However, none of that is distinctive to Christianity. To be a Christian is to be grafted onto Christ, adopted as his child, reborn as part of his mystical body, gifted with the grace of God's love, born again, Receive the salvation of God, abiding in the relationship of the, the Holy Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To be a Christian and formed as His disciple, we will become good people who do the right thing and who have a heart of gold. Nonetheless, this does not come through sheer willpower. We have to be acted upon by God's love and grace to be transformed, redeemed, saved, reconciled to him, to live as his disciple, follower, and apprentice. This journey in God changes and transforms us continually. It's what many of us would refer to or what's been known throughout church history as sanctification. But baptism is the sacrament of initiation. We become members of his mystical body and we share in Jesus' relationship to the Father through the Holy Spirit. We enter into relationship with the triune God. And Jesus is the Son of God by nature and we become by baptism sons and daughters of God by adoption. So baptism is all about grace. And grace is what separates us from all the other religions of the world. It is about the breakthrough of the divine life. It is about our incorporation through the power of God's love into His life, community, relationship, abiding, fellowship with the triune God. And through God's grace, we have been grafted onto Christ, adopted as His child, and therefore share in the very life of God. Now, many of us as as Anglicans, as liturgical people, we enter into and we exit from worship by putting our fingers into the baptismal font of holy water to bless ourselves or other holy water receptacles that we find around the sanctuary. And we say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So what we are doing is signaling our own baptismal identity, remembering our entry into the church and to the family of God, remembering our baptismal vows. We are not praying outside of God, but in relationship with God at this moment. 
And for some people who are being prepared for baptism, it is a way of crossing ourselves with holy water, reminding ourselves what we are about to receive as we prepare ourselves for holy baptism. So listen to the, one of the, the Cappadocian fathers in the 4th century. He said this, Gregory Abnazianzus, uh, which I probably just butchered the name. Uh, but baptism, this is what he said, baptism um, is God's most beautiful and magnificent gift. It is called gift because it is conferred on those who bring nothing of their own. I, w- I hope you hear this. It is called gift because it is conferred on those who bring nothing of their own. And then he continues on. It is called grace since it is given even to the guilty. End of quote. The minute that we start playing this game, if I start doing these good things, if I am a good boy or a girl, if I do these religious good works, then God will reward me, bless me, and give me his love. This is what we call as the human paradigm. If we do A plus B, it will equal God's approval, love, and rewards. It doesn't work that way. Baptism is a gift for those who bring nothing of their own. It is grace. Grace because it is given even to the guilty. So what did Jesus himself say? John chapter 15 verse 16, he says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So there's nothing bad about good works because Jesus makes it very clear that we are called as God's people to go and to produce good fruit. They just don't bring us to God, but they follow our life after we have already been accepted and grafted and adopted as his children. We work, obey, and produce fruit precisely because we have been accepted and loved by God. We don't do it to receive it. We do it because we've already received it. But Bishop Robert Barron says this, quote, To get this right is to get everything right. This is the principle of the primacy of grace. End of quote. And I think he's right. I actually know he's right according to the scriptures. Grace first. Baptism is the sacramental uh, ratification, the sacramental sign of that choice. Christ's choice of us, not our choice of him. Baptism justifies us. It washes away our sin. Once again, Bishop Robert Barron said this, quote, All of us are born in a deeply dysfunctional world full of selfishness, greed, cruelty, injustice, stupidity. Yeah, he actually said that. And fear. It, was cre- he, it has created a poisonous atmosphere uh, which c- condition all of our thoughts, our moves, and our functions. End of quote. We don't choose this dysfunction. We're born into it. We breathe it in from the very beginning. It is our blood and our bones. Think of a baby born to a mother who is addicted to cocaine, what we often refer to as a crack baby. This baby is born with her mother's addiction. And through, is is it because of the baby's fault? Of course not. But from the beginning of the baby has taken in the addiction from the mother. And we don't blame the child. But we acknowledge that she has the addiction from the beginning. And we could use all kinds of examples, but I'd like to share one more. Think of a child born into a deeply dysfunctional family characterized maybe by alcoholism or sexual or physical abuse. 
And from the first moments of his life, that child is conditioned by a very warped world. And that is all he knows. No one from within the family can save him. Why? Because they're part of the problem. They're not the solution. They are conditioned by it as, as a child. And the, only an influence com, uh, coming radically from the outside can transform that child. And we all need a Savior. We all are broken people who need a Savior. And that's good news. None of us can do anything worthy of God's love and grace. That's why grace is so fundamental. It's so essential. It's so important that we understand. Baptism is the moment, sacramentally speaking, when the Holy Spirit draws us out of this fallen world, the impact of sin, into a new life in the Trinity. Do we deserve it? Are you sure? Do we deserve it? Okay, all we have to do is look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. makes it very clear. We don't deserve it. It's all by God's grace. Because if we deserve it, then we would, take, we would boast about it. And it's not about us, and it's not about our choices. It's all about God. That is why baptism, using John's gospel, talks about being born again. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. So baptism lifts. It, 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 it enlightens, enlightens, it transforms, it saves, it redeems, it reconciles us. The Bible talks about this baptized person as a new, new creatures. Something new has happened. From the approved, newly released Acne Catechism, it says this, quote, What is the inward and spiritual grace given in baptism? The inward and spiritual grace is death to sin and new birth to righteousness through union with Christ in his death and resurrection. I am born a sinner by nature, separated from God. But in baptism, through faith in Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit, I am made a member of Christ's body and adopted as Christ's child and heir. What is required of you when you come to be baptized? Two things are required. Repentance, in which I turn away from my sin, and faith, in which I turn to Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord and trust the promises that God makes to me in this sacrament. End of quote. We are told in the Bible to repent and believe, to put our faith in Jesus Christ and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As an adult, these often converge about the same time. And for those baptized as infants, it starts then and comes together around confirmation. However, we must be careful not to pit these against each other. Repent, believe, baptism, and Holy Spirit. They might not all happen at the same time, but they are all essential and they are all necessary. Now, if we had more time this morning, I'd go a little bit deeper and explain what I mean around some of those things. And we've talked about it, of course, before. Baptism lays the foundation for every other sacrament. And through baptism, we enter into this relationship with God. A new creation, person, needs to eat. It needs nourishment, and this is the role of whole, that Holy Communion plays. The Catechism once again says this, quote, As my body is nourished by the bread and wine, my soul is strengthened by the body and the blood of Christ. I receive God's forgiveness, and I am renewed in the love and unity of the body of Christ, the church. End of quote. Hopefully this helps us to understand why only baptized people in the church receive 
Holy Communion. If, we are not, if we've not been born again, why receive the body and the blood of Christ that feeds us spiritually? So what about confession? What does confession do? It restores the spiritual life lost through sin. What about confirmation? It strengthens and confirms the life that's been given to us in baptism. What about marriage and holy orders? These are the sacraments of mission and vocation. It's a purposed baptismal life. What about unction, healing? And from the catechism, once again, it says this, quote, God gives healing, strength, and peace either for recovery from injury or illness or for perseverance in adversity, especially in preparation for death. End of quote. Our gospel reading in Matthew 3, I'd like to look at verses 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So when the living God looks at us, at every repentant, believing, and baptized Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. He sees us not as we are in ourselves, but who we are in Jesus Christ. And at times it seems impossible, especially to people who have never had this kind of support from their earthly parents, but it's true that God looks at us and says, you are my dear, dear child, and I take great delight in you. Try reading this slowly with your own name at the start and reflect quietly on God saying that to you, both at your baptism and every day since. For example, Scott, you are my dear, dear child, and I'm delighted with you. I guarantee you there's some, there, there, that for, me, for some of us here this morning, we might have a disconnect between what we know in here and what we actually believe in our heart. And we might know this to be true here, but oftentimes we have a hard time receiving it. That he loves us and accepts us as dearly beloved children. He takes great delight in us. But what is true of Jesus is true of his people. The word Messiah means anointed one. And the story tells how Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He was marked out as God's son who heard clearly that you are my dearly loved child and you bring me great joy. It's so important for us to hear these words that God speaks to us and walk in our identity. I am a dearly loved child and I bring great delight to my God. And remember, God's voice of love, acceptance, approval, and identity came even before he did his first miracle. Before his ministry actually started, this is what he heard from the Father. This was the event that launched his ministry. May we hear these words of love, acceptance, approval, and identity apart from anything that we do. I, I don't know about you, but this is fundamental Christianity. This is fundamentally important for us to grasp, to understand, and to hear. And I am so glad that we at least deal with these things in depth on this particular day once a year at the baptism of our Lord. But it's something that's so important for us to be reminded of as even throughout the year as well. 
Verse 16 says, at that moment, heaven was open. In other words, seeing heaven open or splitting apart doesn't mean that Jesus saw a little door slightly open miles up in the sky. Heaven in the Bible often means God's dimension behind ordinary reality. It's more as though an invisible curtain right in front of us was suddenly pulled back so that instead of the trees and flowers and buildings, or in Jesus' case, the river, the sandy desert, and the crowds, we're standing in the presence of a different reality altogether. One of the things that Mark is saying to us is, look at this story. Look at this life and learn to see and hear in it the heavenly vision. The heavenly voice. Learn to hear these words addressed to yourself. Let them change, mold, and make you somebody new. The person that God wants you to be. Discover in this story the heavenly dimension of God's world, life, and the kingdom of God. We need to make sure every baptismal candidate hears these words, the words that God spoke to his son, that you are my dearly loved son. And you bring me great joy. I'd like to read this from Eugene Peterson's uh, translation of the, of the message. And, he said, and it's a paraphrase, but he says it this way. You are my son, chosen and marked by my love. You're the pride of my life. Do you truly know and walk in this love and delight from the Father? Do we demonstrate to our children this kind of love? Our neighbors, our coworkers? Our spouse? If our children do not know and experience this kind of love from us, they often go looking for this love in the world and identity in the things that they do and through other people. The sooner that, I think we would all agree this, I don't know about you, sometimes I heard some of these things in my head in the evangelical world, but there was a disconnect between my head and my heart. And I struggled and, and went looking for acceptance and finding my identity in other people. I wish I would have really learned this and believed this at a young age. It would have saved a lot of years of misery. And I'm not talking about before Jesus. I'm talking about even as a clergy person. So it's essential. It's, I beg of you to understand and let the Holy Spirit minister this deep inside your heart. We don't want our children going out in the world looking for identity and approval through other people. Hello? Like some of us, right? Well, for two of you, it's the case. But I think there's a lot of people lying in here. But nonetheless, we want them to understand this kind of love from the Father. That's where, where we are being that example and modeling and demonstrating this as well. We're not going to always get it right. We fell, we mess up. That's what repentance is all about. That's why we go to our children and we say, I am so sorry. I, I am very sorry for what I did. Please forgive me. And, and if, you don't, if those words are hard for you, work on it. Work on it. Maybe you didn't hear from your dad or your mom. But work on it. It's no excuse. Well, it's a different generation. Yeah, it is. And let's join it. Work on it. It's important. And you know, I had no clue how much this meant to my daughter until she sometimes tells me, thank you for acknowledging your mistakes. It means a lot to our children. Embrace your identity. Remember your baptism. And live in a continual pattern of death to sin and resurrection and new life that comes through discipleship. Ongoing repentance. 
the sacraments, the people of God, and spending our life for the King and His kingdom. If you've not been baptized, our next baptism is Easter. Please call the church office so that you can be properly prepared, which is necessary for this sacrament. Keep your ears open as we will be having a class in the very near future that will be necessary for receiving the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and marriage, and church membership. You are my dearly loved son and daughter, chosen and marked by my love. And you bring me great joy, and you are the pride of my life.